Hi, everyone. Welcome into the BT Powerhouse podcast. It is our 86th podcast, and it is Tuesday night, uh, November 22nd. Uh, as always, I'm your host and manager, Thomas Bendit. We, uh, this is our first podcast of the 2016-17 college basketball season, which, which makes it a, a kind of an interesting one and, and gives us a lot to talk about. There's been a lot of developments over the last couple of weeks. Um, unfortunately, we're having to broadcast this or record it, I should say, um, during a couple of games tonight on, on Tuesday, uh, Wisconsin's playing Georgetown. Um, looks like they just moved on to a, a nice win there. Um, Indiana's playing Fort Wayne. Um, Purdue's playing Utah State. A couple of games, but unfortunately, um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, um, early in the Big Ten season, uh, there are games every day, so it's kind of hard to pick a day um, without some action um, on the Big Ten front. So, unfortunately, you know, there's going to be a couple games that are kind of mixed in um, that we we kind of know the results but don't talk about or or they're halfway done. Um, so, I guess keep that keep that in mind as, as we listen here. Um, but we, we're going to have a great guest, uh, Adam Biggers, on from FanRag uh, Sports. He's going to be on in a little bit. Um, wanted to get into some Michigan State talk. They've been kind of one of the more controversial teams here in a lot of ways over the first week and a half to two weeks of the season. Um, so I think uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But what I what I wanted to talk about are a couple of the teams that have surprised me, a couple of the teams I'm buying, a couple of the teams I'm selling. Um, and and I'll, I'll, I'll just start from, <laughs> from step one here. Uh, let's Let's just jump to the top. Um, you know, I, I have three teams, uh, and I wrote this on BT Powerhouse last weekend. Um, and, again, uh, I'll get into some of the bigger picture stuff a little later, but um, I, I wanted to start out with kind of the general topic of what teams I'm kind of changed my stock on one way or the other, um, you know, because at least half the conference, I would say, is about what we've expected. Um, but there are uh, a couple teams that I, I think are outperforming, preseason expectations, a couple of teams that are unperforming. I'm going to start with the teams that I think are um, outperforming slash uh, what, I, what I'm calling buys, uh, you know, buy into <laughs> what they're doing. Um, they're overperform expectations. And I, I think their, their respective fan bases should be pretty excited about um, what they've seen so far. I guess is the, is the best way to put it. Um, the first, the first one to me, and maybe this comes off as a, as a little bit biased since I'm a diehard fan, but, uh, Michigan, Michigan has been outstanding, um, compared to preseason expectations. And I, I say that for a few reasons, you know, even the most optimistic people, I, I think coming into the year thought that they could, you know, maybe become like a top 30 ish team, you know, if everything went right, they got some luck so on and so forth. Michigan's not only been a top 30-ish team. Frankly, they've played like a top 10 team. Um, you know, Ken Palm has them 15th right now, but uh, the preseason predictions are holding are what's holding Michigan back because, you know, they open with two easy wins against, you know, lackluster competition and Howard and IUPUI, but they go to the 2K Classic in New York City. They just wreck Marquette in their first game. And then they turn around and face an SMU team that has beaten them down in each of the last two years. Um, you know, this is kind of one of those odd, odd 
circumstances where they've faced the same team three years in a row in non-conference play, but Michigan just beats them down. Um, you know, they, they get to play backup players and, and unload their bench um, against a team that was a serious uh, contender for, you know, top 25 ranking in a week or two here. And again, this is a team that has wrecked Michigan at, in Ann Arbor um, and at home uh, against the Wolverines uh, two years in a row. And Michigan took it to them uh, really with, without trouble and uh, extremely, extremely impressive. You know, Derek Walton has been a uh, lights out shooter. Um, Zach Irvin's been really efficient. He's been great on the boards and, DJ Wilson has kind of popped out of nowhere here um, after a couple lackluster last two years and has really performed well. Um, he's been a huge difference maker uh, for the Wolverines. So I, my, my first team I want to say that's exceeding expectations is Michigan. Um, this week they're getting South Carolina on the road and then Mount St. Mary's at home. And then the next week, right before the end of November, uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge, they get Virginia Tech at home. So if Michigan can make it through these three teams, uh, or these three games, I should say, um, with a 7-0 and record and without a loss, I think it's really time to get on board the, the Wolverines train here. But I definitely think uh, Michigan's a buy. So I, I'd say they're the first team. The second team is Minnesota, who is currently um, playing right now against Arkansas. Um, as I said, it, it's kind of awkward on a, a couple of these situations, but, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, and taking it to Arkansas, um, I don't want to, you know, say they're going to win, but they are up about 20 with a couple minutes left. Arkansas currently on Ken Palm is a top 50 team. They probably won't be after this game, but um, this is another quality win. This will give Minnesota three top 100 wins, you know, barring something weird happening. Um, Minnesota had two during all of last year. I, I know Minnesota had a very uh, low bar to cross, so to speak, to outperform last year's expectations, but you can make a pretty good argument they've already outperformed that uh, five games into the year. Um, this team is legitimately good. I don't know if they're good enough to make the NCAA tournament, but this is a good team. I think they're trending up. Um, Amir Coffey has been excellent. He has, uh, you know, we'll talk to Adam a little bit about uh, Miles Bridges in a, in a second here, but he's been outstanding. I think he's certainly in the running for Big Ten freshman of the year. So I'd say Minnesota's a team to buy. And then uh, the last one, um, I would just throw out, you know, Rutgers definitely looks much better than last year. So I, I think uh, fans should be a little excited about them. They're definitely a uh, very soft 4-0, but, hey, they're 4-0 for the first time in the Ken Palm era which is well over a decade. So I, I think that stands for something at least. Um, but, but with that, I, I do want to get Adam on here. Um, he's on here to, to chat about the Big Ten. And we have uh, – I'll get to the teams that I'm kind of selling later. Um, but I, I did want to get into some Spartan talk. So, uh, Adam, how's it going? I'm doing well, Thomas. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. Excited to have you on. It's a, it's a big time in uh, – the mitten for sports, you know, whether it's football or basketball here. So I, this is one of my favorite times of the year. So uh, great, great having you on the podcast. Um, but let's, uh, let, let's jump right into it here. Um, you know, we, uh, Michigan State had a lot of hype coming into the year. You know, they have this excellent recruiting class. 
Um, and really, we're expected to be one of the Big Ten's prime contenders for, you know, in the Big Ten and potentially a Final Four run here. Um, but it, it's kind of been uh, a mixed bag uh, for over the last couple of games. Uh, what, what have you made of the, of the Spartans so far this year? Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to mention something real quick because you, you mentioned Rutgers being 4-0. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I tweeted the other day about Corey Sanders, and, and lo and behold, like after the game, I'm not even kidding, Corey Sanders tweeted that they were 4-0 and that he was about to drop a track. So uh, I think he was. I think he was. I think he wanted to make a song yes. about being four zero. So maybe it's a little too early for for the celebra- uh, you know uh, celebration song there. But um, as far as Michigan State, I'll get I'll get on topic here. As far as Michigan State, I mean you're you're absolutely right. I mean I think it's the number two ranked uh, recruiting class in the country according to twenty four seven or two four seven sports. Um, Miles Bridges. I've I've been impressed with Miles so far this year. I've been a bit underwhelmed with Miles a little bit this year. So I I mean it's a I guess you picked the starting point. I'll go from there. But there there were expect there there were and and there are expectations. I mean I fully expected Michigan State to to be a team that to compete you know with the top four teams and and the Big Ten and it, it is very early in the season. But I I do think that there are a couple uh, you know questions and concerns about the Spartans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I guess I, I want to start here with, uh, um, uh, I get, I guess the first two games here, you know, that end up being losses, you know, they start both neutral games, you know, they face Arizona and Hawaii, and then they face Kentucky and New York, um, put up a good fight against the Wildcats, uh, kind of let them off the hook there at the end, um, and then just get run off the floor against Kentucky. Um, when you, when you were watching uh, those two games, and specifically that Kentucky. Uh, loss. What what did you think kind of got exposed by the Spartans? I guess uh, you know what kind of weaknesses, and um, how do you think they're going to move forward from that? I guess because I mean, uh, obviously Kentucky's a great team. You know they're ranked number one in the country right now. Um, but you know if Michigan State's going to compete, obviously they they need to fix some of those uh, issues. Um, so what what are your thoughts uh, regarding that? Well, and you know it's kind of weird because you look at the Spartans and you and you say, "Wow, they played like freshmen." But at the same time, you look at Kentucky and say, "Wow, they played like freshmen," because <laughs> they're always freshmen. Um, it, it, you watch the Wildcats, Kentucky Wildcats, and to me, it was clear it was just speed, athleticism, interior. I mean, I, I I can't I can't say that Michigan State had the edge uh, anywhere in any of those three categories against Kentucky, and that, and you know, blame it on the travel. Um, you know, blame, blame it on whatever. Blame it on them being a young team. Tom Izzo said that they had to get tougher, and you know that was gonna—that's kind of his mission right now to, to make them tougher. Uh, but yeah, it's specifically against Kentucky, I just thought you know the the speed was wasn't even uh, comparable, and I thought the Michigan State just looked looked rushed. I, I thought I thought it, when you look when you look at a Michigan State team over the years, it's not often that you. Uh, see the Spartans playing like okay they they realize that they're outmatched you know what I mean that's it I, I never really get that feeling when yeah. and I haven't in a long time watching Spartans basketball that anytime that they take the floor that they feel like that they're outmatched and this you know it was kind of it was kind of like a, a replay of the Duke game in the final four uh, a little <laughs> bit in my mind just when you when you look at okay this is this is a good team with some potential uh, but 
there's another class in college basketball. And that year it was Duke. And, and right now, if we're comparing head-to-head, you know, there is another class in college basketball. And Kentucky and Duke are up there, and Michigan State simply isn't yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely got some of that sense uh, when I was watching it. I, I think for me, and I'm curious if, if you had the same uh, viewpoint, but um, the team's shooting was just terrible. Uh, you know, they go five for 26 from three-point range. It's about 19%. And, um, you know, I know Tom Izzo doesn't necessarily have his long-term reputation known as a, a three-point shooting guru, um, but man, 19% in today's college basketball, it's just something you almost can't win with. Um, do, you, do you think, you know, it's a situation where maybe they're relying too much on like a, a Harris to, to get it done out there? Or do you think that was more of just a, a one game aberration? You know, it, it's tough to tell right now. And you, and you mentioned, and we, we look at last year and Michigan State was just thriving on mm-hmm. the three-point shot, right? I mean, Denzel Valentine mm-hmm. was great from three. Uh, I think Aaron Harris was like 39% from three. And then, of course, Bryn Forbes. There was a time uh, when Bryn had made more than he missed. At one point, he was 102 for 200. So, And he finished the year, you know, shooting like, uh, I think, just a, just a shade beneath 50%. Um, it, it, obviously, if you're going to shoot like this, you got to make them. Five for 26, 19%. You're absolutely right. You're not going to win. I don't I don't know, uh, you know, sifting through stats, if there's ever been a team that's, that's, uh, that's won a game shooting 19% from, from three points, especially when you're shooting five for 26. So you got to consider, you know, how many possessions you're giving up to try to get those three-point shots. I think right now, Thomas, the, the, simple, the simple way to say is they're, they're trying to find an identity. And, it, I mean, you see Aaron Harris score you know, career-high 31 um, the other night against Florida Gulf Coast in that 78-77 win. And but then again, you see you see him not play defense earlier in the year. And Tom Izzo, Tom Izzo was very critical um, after the Arizona game or or Kentucky game rather, saying if Aaron, you know, basically if he doesn't want to play defense, then he's not going to play. So he he's got undeniable scoring touch. He's got undeniable upside, but at the same time, you know, we've we've seen kind of his ups and downs a little bit and. And I do feel that that's something that could cost Michigan State. And Aaron Harris has to figure, you know, what kind of player does he want to be? Yeah, he could be a dynamic scorer, no doubt about it. Uh, but he's got to be able to play some defense, too. And, and that, that's the thing. I think if, if Michigan State this year is going to rely on Aaron Harris, then I think that, that uh, it's going to be a long year. I don't think that Aaron Harris is the go-to guy. I think he's got to – Aaron Harris has to maybe swallow some pride and, and play supporting role because I, I don't think there's any doubt the focal point of the offense is, is Miles Bridges, and it has to be Miles Bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, let's hit on Bridges a little bit. I, I know you've touched on him a little bit. I, I did a little bit earlier in, in the podcast, I, I think before you got on. Um, obviously, he's performed really well um, on the boards, really well on the defensive end, kind of feeling his way out offensively. Um, what, what do you make of Bridges? Where do you see his ceiling? And um, do you worry that, that maybe this team's going to get too reliant on him? Well, and, you know, in a sense, I almost feel like the, there's no other way around it. Um, but then again, you know, you've you got to have that, that supporting role uh, from Aaron Harris. You, you've got you've to get scoring from guys like Matt McQuaid. And not having interior presence, you know, with Gavin Schilling's injury and, and Ben Carter's injury, um, 
you know, that, that kind of pushes Miles into the role of having to do a lot. You know, I don't know if he, entering the season, figured that he was going to be, you know, playing the four and five if he had to. I, I figured, you know, he, he probably viewed his role more as a as a three, four or, or two through four. I don't know. He could play all five positions. So, um, I guess there is a little bit of, that is a concern, but is it going to be too much for him as a freshman? And I guess it was a little bit unfair for me to say that I've been underwhelmed because he's only played what, you know, four games. He's, he's getting, he played very well against the, uh, Arizona. I mean, I don't think he could, he can ask for, you know, too much of a better debut, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, going out and scoring, you know, what, 21 points against the number 10 team in the nation. That's, that's not bad at all. Um, I think it's a, it's going to be a comfort level with Miles. He's got the complete package, and, and as I'm sure you know, he can do everything. He really can. He can shoot. He can rebound. He, he's a he's a good passer. Just every everything. And and the main the main thing I think the prize sticks out more than anything is just how Tom Izzo keeps talking about how coachable he is. And you can tell in his demeanor. You can tell, um, you know, throughout interviews. You can tell when he's sitting on the bench that he's a, he's a kid who takes direction very well. He's going to be a star at Michigan State. I, I don't have any doubt about it. Right now it's all a matter of getting him comfortable. And Tom Izzo has even said himself, you know, they they want to get him the ball. And uh, I think Michigan State feels really good about uh, giving the ball to Miles, uh, given his potential. And, and like I said, I mean, he's, he's got to even out a little bit. It's a, a part of the travel, you know, that, that maybe caused a lull against Kentucky. I don't know. I mean, he looked great against Mississippi State. He he played all right against Florida Gulf Coast as well. It's it's going to be all about getting his getting his bearings and getting comfortable. And, and it, you know, as you know, Michigan State likes to Izzo likes to tinker around in November, see what works, see what doesn't. Kind of do the same through December and and get them ready for Big Ten play. So it, it's standard procedure right now. I, I do I do see you know an incredibly high ceiling for Miles Bridges. It's, it's just they got they got to find a way to even them out right now, and and that's you know that that's kind of standard for a freshman. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but with that, um, I do want to hit on one one thing that's already happened before we kind of jump into what's to come uh, for the Spartans, um, and that's this Florida Gulf Coast game, uh, insanely controversial ending. Um, sort of, you know, they inbound the ball, the clock starts too early. Florida Gulf Coast launches up a shot uh, at the buzzer, but apparently the buzzer went too early. Um, what, did, what did you make of this situation? Uh, do you think there needs to be sort of an asterisk around this game, or, or do you think it was just an unfortunate event? Well, I mean, it was certainly an unfortunate event. I mean, you look at Florida Gulf Coast, and they, I mean, they got robbed. Uh, I don't think there's really any other way to put it. I say uh, Tom Izzo said it, that, they, the Michigan State got outplayed. I, I think the Florida Gulf Coast did everything that you need to do to win. And we're looking at not only, you know, going and winning on the road at, at uh, in East Lansing, going to a venue that's incredibly tough to play at. And somewhere, Tom Izzo, now he's 60-0 and 0 all-time in November. But, I mean, you, you know, you're, fa- you're facing a lot. It's not just a, a road game against a good team. You're going to a place that nobody wins at in November. And Florida Gulf Coast nearly did it. Florida Gulf Coast absolutely played well enough to win that game. And if I'm Michigan State, uh, I'm, you know, I'm happy. You lucked out. 
But at the same time, if, I, if I'm Michigan State, I can't in good conscience call that a win. I see it 78, 77 on the stat sheet. I see the W. But if I'm, if I'm you know, one of those players, I'm not counting that as a win at all. Mm. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I think it's a, it's a real unfortunate situation. And, it, you know, obviously there's been like 15 statements issued by everybody related to it at all. Um, but it, it just looks like it, the refs screwed up and, uh, it wasn't, you know, I, I had kind of joked around that it was the old Spartan Bob that was involved in some of the, the Michigan state football drama in, in the early 2000s. But, um, but no, it, it was just the ref. It wasn't a Michigan state person. It was, uh, the refs managing the game screwed it up. And, uh, I think Florida Gulf coast should be angry. Um, and you know, maybe they, I know sometimes there's there's been talk that, you know, maybe the committee will kind of view that as essentially just ignore that result. Um, I, and that that's kind of what I, I would think in that, for that. But, you know, uh, regardless, Michigan State gets the, the win and, and gets to move on, I guess. Um, but with that, um, let's jump into some of Michigan State's upcoming schedule here uh, before I let you go ahead. Um, and things remain challenging. You know, you start out with Arizona and Kentucky. Um, and now they're they're heading to the Bahamas. They get St. John's on Wednesday. Probably going to get um, potentially Louisville or potentially you know Wichita State. Well, you know we'll have to see how the matchups sort out. Um, what what do you make of the Bahamas? And then uh, what do you make of that showdown with Duke uh, that should be the the following Tuesday? Well, the Bahamas thing, you know, I know it's uh, it's it's good for Michigan State on on a few different levels, and there's going to be like a couple reunions too. I mean, Tum Tum uh, being able to go home. I saw something today that Spartans basketball tweeted out, um, you know, that he was talking to children in in his area and letting them know, you know, kind of chase your dreams. It's, I mean, this is not a vacation by any stretch, but I mean, maybe it's the first time for a lot of guys going out of the country. I know Cassius Winston has never been to the Bahamas. This would be Miles Bridges', Miles Bridges second time going to the Bahamas. So, I mean, you know, you, you go down there, it's uh, during the holiday, you're spending it with your team, and, and you know, you try, you try to have a good time, you know. Uh, but at the same time, they got to look at it as taking care of business and playing St. John's, you know, seeing Marvin Clark. And Marv, you know, I, re- I really like the way that Marvin Clark played at Michigan State. I, I thought that he hustled his butt off, I, you know, the circumstances – uh, didn't allow for him to to stay around, but I, I do think that he's going to be a player uh, that Michigan State misses, and you know, given the injuries, especially now. But uh, Mar- Marvin, you know, friends with a lot of those guys. He he played high school ball with Tum Tum, um, so you know that's going to be another a reunion for them. And then you mentioned Wichita State, and uh, their Tum Tum's coach, uh, Tum Tum and Marvin's former coach, uh, Kyle Lindstedt, is now in a high school coach is now an, an assistant. Uh, at Wichita State, and, and as you know, you know Wichita State always solid program. I mean, they're they're a team that I, I don't think anybody wants to play come March. They you know pride themselves on taking down the big boys. Um, so it, you know they got they got to they got to get the most out of this trip. I don't want to give you a cliche answer, but you know they got to they got to get the most out of this trip. They got to figure out uh, who they are, and you know maybe maybe they further that against St. John's, and maybe they further that against you know. Um, whether it's Louisville or, or Wichita State. But at the end of the day, you know, you mentioned Duke, November 29th. It's like that, that's another test. And if I'm Tom Mizzo, any, anything less than a competitive game and or a win 
just won't do. You can't you can't go and, and trot these guys out against another top ranked team and and get blown out by 21 points. It just can't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. You know, I think on these non-conference trips, it's more about just building for the future. Uh, you know, playing basketball and. Um, if I'm Michigan State, uh, you just got to get at least one win. If you can at least beat St. John's, um, you know, they're probably going to be a top 100 team. Then you at least got one win to grab your name on. Um, and hopefully you can take down uh, – I got the bracket in front of me. Uh, looks like if they beat St. John's, they'll be against either VCU or Baylor. Uh, so take down, you know, whoever wins that game. Um, then, you know, you got two nice resume wins. If you lose to Louisville or, or something like that, not going to be that damaging. And obviously Duke um, going to be an immensely challenging game. I mean, I, I don't think there's any debating. The Blue Devils are loaded uh, this year. So I, I think, uh, you know, go in there and, and hopefully you can keep it close, I guess. But uh, it, it should be interesting. Um, but I, I did want to ask you as well. I, I know you cover uh, both uh, Michigan schools. Um, you know, the Wolverines on the, on the court are getting off to a fast start as uh, has have gotten off to a fast start. I talked about them early as one of the teams I'm kind of buying in the Big Ten. Uh, what do you what do you make of Michigan hoops this year as well? You know, and it, if you if you're looking for a team to buy, I don't see why not because and Thomas, you know, you have a lot of experience covering the Wolverines as well. And and I think one of the things that John Beeline has talked about, and I, I plan on asking him about this on Friday. Hopefully, I could get down to that game Friday night. Uh, I believe they're playing Mount St. Mary's. Uh, one of the things that Beeline has talked about, and I think one of the things that has lacked and something that he's had in the past that's worked well for him is a front court. And, I mean, we you see the development of D.J. Wilson. If he's, you see the development out of Mo Wagner. I mean, these these guys can be good. And, I mean, uh, Zach Irvin uh, coming off with the, the 2K Classic Tournament MVP. I mean, when Zach's on, Zach is one of the best scorers in the Big Ten. And it, it, it's just so slumped, you know, he was, I remember a couple of years ago, it was a flat jump shot. And, and, you know, last year, um, I believe coming off an injury, you know, and he had added vertical uh, to, to his leap prior to the injury. It's just, we had, we haven't seen Zach Irvin at a hundred percent full capacity for any like real stretches. And, and I feel like if this is going to be the year that he can do that, Michigan can be very good. And Derek Wallen, I mean, Derek, Derek Wallen, one of the best rebounding guards, uh, in in the country, I don't I don't think there's anybody who would dispute that. And maybe and maybe Derek, I, I know that he's not down there banging in the paint, and a lot of you know some of these rebounds are just you know uh, long misses, you know clanking off the iron or whatever. But at the same time, maybe he doesn't have to think about rebounding anymore. If if uh, you got Derek and Mo, I know that or uh, DJ and Mo, I know that it's part of his game. But Derek Derek Walton has always been one of those players. Uh, Thomas that I've enjoyed watching play, and I think anybody who talks to him for any extended period of time knows that he's he's somebody who puts a ton of work, ton of effort into what he does. And I mean, this it's kind of like Zach Irvin, but maybe not identical circumstances. But it's just one of those guys that you know can be so good, you just want to see him put it together. And I and I think that that that's really that's how I feel when I look at uh Irvin and Walton and that's and that's kind of how I'm viewing Michigan this year they have they have a lot you got you got to give it to John Beeline I know that he's been you know people have been critical over his recruiting I know people have kind of been critical of him in general because 
uh, you know, the past couple of years haven't gone their way. So many injuries and so many close calls and what if. I, I really believe that if this this year's team could do something and to do it. I don't think in the past couple of years there there were que- there were question marks and it was more hopeful. What what can Mark Donnell do? You know what could you know I I've, I was looking forward to Ricky Doyle developing into something and things just didn't click for Ricky. And that, those were my concerns. What what can the front court do? And and I think I mean if you got DJ Wilson, uh, he's one of the most athletic big guys I think the Beeline's had maybe at any you know throughout his career. I mean DJ is an incredible athlete. All, and you know going back to Mo Wagner, if if all these things can click. Michigan will be very good this year. And and Michigan Michigan was a good team last year. A lot of tough breaks, but Michigan was a good team. Wasn't a horrible team. Wasn't a great team. I think that there's a lot to like about Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I you know, I, I said this earlier on the the podcast tonight, but um you know, Michigan frankly is playing like a top ten team this year, you know, so far. Uh, you know, maybe Marquette and SMU end up overrated and we look back and think, wow, uh, you know, why were we so impressed by those wins? But, uh, you know, they played four games. They've destroyed everyone they played, frankly. And, uh, you know, that SMU win in particular, you know, considering what SMU did to them in each of the last two years is uh, was really impressive to watch, um, you know, as sort of a, a measuring post over the last couple of years. But, um, but Adam, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and chatting some uh, Michigan and Michigan State hoops here. Um, I, would, I would be uh, uh, doing a disservice, though, if I don't at least ask you about uh, this weekend's massive showdown in Columbus, uh, number two Ohio State, number three Michigan. Um, what do you make of the game, and uh, have, you, have you decided on who you're picking yet? Yeah, I guess there is a little bit of a, a big game uh, this weekend. <laughs> uh, I th- I think it will. I think Wilton Spate, if Wilton Spate starts, uh, Michigan has better chance to win. But I do believe that Michigan can still win if John O'Corn is a quarterback. I expect Wilton Spate to start Saturday uh, against Ohio State. But even if it is O'Corn, I mean, I think uh, you're gonna you're gonna see all kinds of stuff from Jabril uh, from Jabril Peppers. He's gonna be on offense. The they're they're gonna have to use him. I mean, this is. This is basically a winner-take-all game, right? And every week they talk about championship week and have since Hawaii, and this really is a championship game. This is a this is a playoff game. If you beat Ohio State, you go to the Big Ten championship, then you have a chance, uh, you know, to make the college football playoff. I, I Thomas, I, in the beginning of the year, I said Michigan was was ten wins easy, um, eleven and one, and with that one loss coming uh, to Ohio State. And, mm-hmm. you know, the more that I've, you know, seen of Michigan throughout the entire season, Ohio State has looked beatable more often than Michigan has. And I know that Ohio State has that win at Oklahoma, but – and I just can't – I just can't justify, uh, you know, picking Ohio State as a heavy favorite for any other reason that, you know, the past and that they're at home. I, I, I do think this game is going to be a lot – more even matched than some are giving credit for. And I do think that Michigan is properly equipped to win this game. I, I think that shutting down Curtis Samuel, JT Barrett, and or Mike Weber, I mean, you got to shut down two of those three guys to be successful. Uh, Jim Harbaugh mentioned today during the conference call, you know, the importance of special teams. I mean, Kenny Allen's been 10 for 10 since he missed those 
field goals, those two field goals versus Wisconsin. I, I think that Michigan's rolling into Columbus with a hotter hand. Uh, and you look at last week, I know it was bad weather, but I mean, a, a one point win against the, you know, a, a team that's buried its head in the sand a long time ago this season. You know, Michigan State just had, you know, one of the most colossal flops after a championship caliber season, I think, of any team in college football history. I mean, it's got, <laughs> it's got to be up there. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. It's it's always going to be a tough one to call. I I do like Michigan in this one. I I don't know really what I'm looking at score wise. I can uh, I can let you know next time we talk. Or, but I I do like Michigan. I mean it's got to, it'll be you know a touchdown, maybe less than a touchdown, no more than ten points. But I I do I do like Michigan in this game, and I like them even more if Wilton Spate starts. <laughs> bold pick, bold pick. Yeah, I think it's uh. I think it's going to be a close game. I agree with you. I, I think a lot of people are uh, just assuming Ohio State gets the win in what should be a uh, pretty massive showdown. But uh, nonetheless, I'm excited to check it out. I'm sure you are as well, and, and a lot of listeners are. But, uh, Adam, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it, and uh, looking forward to having you on next time. Hey, anytime, Thomas. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks a lot. Um, as a reminder to everyone, that was uh, Adam Biggers. He writes for Fan Rag Sports. You can follow him on Twitter. I believe it's uh, Adam Biggers eighty one. I want to say, uh, yep, Adam Biggers at eighty one uh, writes for Michigan, Michigan State coverage. Uh, has a lot of baseball stuff too. Um, all in the state of Michigan, I should say. But uh, so yeah, a lot, a lot of interesting thoughts there on Michigan State, Michigan, and and for uh, the football field as well for Michigan and Ohio State. But um, I, with that, I did want to jump back into what I, w- what I was talking about before we had Adam on here, and that was some, some of the teams I was buying and some that I'm selling. Um, the three that I were, I'm buying are Michigan, Minnesota, and Rutgers um, as well. I, I did want to throw out as, um, one other note, and that's uh, Northwestern. I probably would include them a little bit in that category. Uh, they're three and two. They lost to Notre Dame tonight, but they knocked off Texas in impressive fashion on Monday night. Um, I, I still don't think Northwestern's going to be good enough to make the NCAA tournament. I really don't, but I think they are going to be good enough to make the NIT. Um, they have a couple games coming up here. Uh, they get Bryant on Friday, and then they have Wake Forest uh, at home in what should be a really important RPI game. Um, really Wake Forest and then DePaul in back-to-back games. Those are really important for the RPI and really important for determining whether Northwestern can make the NIT and I guess potentially an NCAA tournament run. We'll see on that. But uh, I just did want to just throw them in there as a team that I I think has overachieved preseason expectations a little bit. You know, as, as I said, Texas, they beat Texas on Monday night. The Longhorns were ranked um, number 22. I, I honestly don't believe they're the 22nd best team in the country, but um, I think they're a decent team. And frankly, Northwestern didn't have a lot of decent wins last year. So I I think that'll be a, uh, that's a team that's overperforming expectations a little bit, but on the flip side, a couple of teams I am selling on Uh, first and foremost, Maryland. Um, I know that that's going to annoy a lot of Terp fans, you know, Maryland, they actually won tonight over Stony Brook. They're 5-0 on the year, um, including that big road win at Georgetown. Let, let me start by saying I think Maryland's a solid team. 
I still think they're an NCAA tournament team, and I think they're going to get better as the year goes on. You know, they got three freshman starters right now um, who are all uh, four-star recruits coming into the school. I, you know, I think they're going to develop. I think, you know, DeMonte Dodd's dealing with some injury issues. Um, You know, as he sort of gets his, uh, develops or gets healthy, I I should say, develops. I'm not sure what I'm thinking there. Uh, (laughs) Once he gets healthy, as those three freshmen sort of grow into their roles, you know, the bench works itself out. I think uh, this team's going to get better, but you know, I thought of them as a top 25 team. I thought of them as a top uh, five Big Ten team. I don't think they're either right now. Um, you know, they're 54th on Ken Palm. I know Maryland fans have a very skeptical view of Ken Palm after uh, what the site has rated them the last couple of years. But, um, you know, I, I do think uh, they were overrated, at least in my preseason expectations. You know, maybe they'll get back around there, but uh, they're the first team I, I would say that I'm selling. Um, the one good thing, you know, as we talked about on the Maryland preview, very, very favorable schedule for Maryland this year um, in the Big Ten. So they should re- really, I'd be kind of shocked if they didn't get to 20 wins um, just based on that alone. Uh, they are going to potentially get some RPI issues if they don't uh, take care of business under their next couple of games. And they get Richmond on a neutral court. They get Pittsburgh and Oklahoma State at home three huge games they need I think they need to win at least two of those um, to get some RPI security because uh, I don't want to get too far off track here on Maryland but uh, that easy Big Ten schedule um, as good as it is for getting those wins it also has the downside of not having uh, it's not not having it's you know the fact that if you don't win those those big games um, it really can bite you in the RPI so I, I think um you know, because you're padding your record with easier opponents, I guess, is the, is the concept. So I, I think these are this is a key stretch here over the next week and a half. And we'll we'll see what the Terps can do there. But they're, they are a team that I am selling on. Still think they're NCAA tournament worthy, but do not think they're a top 25 team. <clears throat> the second team that I'm, I'm selling, uh, you know, over the first couple of weeks of the season is Ohio State. Um, and not because I necessarily thought Ohio state was going to be great coming in this year. You know, frankly, I think they're about where I thought they were. Um, but I, I wanted to just throw them out because, you know, they're getting top 25 votes right now. Um, they were ranked 13th on Ken Palm coming into the season. Um, so I, I think they're a team that, that warrants uh, inclusion in this category because they are not the 13th best team in the country. Frankly, I don't think they're a top 25 team. I'm not even convinced they're a top 30 team, um, may, maybe even top 40. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, you know, the Buckeyes are 4-0 right now. They get two winnable games this week. They get Jackson State and Marshall at home uh, before they go uh, to Virginia for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. I, I think this team is good enough to make the NCAA tournament if things fall right. You know, we'll have to see how uh, some of those marquee non-conference games go, you know, particularly um, – you know, they have a game at home against UConn, um, which has kind of fallen off given that UConn looks like they're having a down year. So that, you know, we'll have to see how some of these games shape up. But um, I, I would say Ohio State is a team that I do not buy as a as a top-end Big Ten team. And, the, and then the last one, which I think will come off as kind of a mixed uh, team to sell, and that that's Penn State. And I don't think very many had – 
really high expectations on the Nittany Lions. I know I didn't. I, I've always thought they're one year away coming into this season. But um, the team is two and three. They lost the home game to Albany. Um, they let one off the hook against Duke. And, and when I say let one off the hook, you know, they were in the game. You know, they probably were never going to win in the second half, but they at least kept it, you know, within 10. And then um, just got wrecked, <coughs> excuse me, by Cincinnati on Sunday um, at a neutral court. Uh, so I, I, I do think Penn State, they could end up a little bit better than they were last year. You know, certainly on Ken Palm, they're about 30 spots higher right now. We'll see if that holds up. But I just, I don't buy Penn State as a great team right now. I think, you know, maybe that youth will start to develop, you know, guys like Stevens, guys like Tony Carr, um, you know, Mike Watkins. We'll, we'll see what that, that young lineup can do. Um, you know, just to put that in perspective, you know, they're 336th on Ken Palm experience rating. So I, I think um, they're, they're a team that could definitely develop down the stretch, but I don't think they're there yet. I don't think this team's going to be even close to the NCAA tournament. Frankly, I don't think they're going to be close to the NIT. And I, I think there's a realistic scenario where Penn State finishes last in the Big Ten. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if that's how it ends up going. But, uh, yeah, I, I just um, – they're, they're not a team I'm sold on, but – but I'd say with that, um, I kind of want to take a step back here, uh, you know, as we sort of end the podcast, you know, as I said, there's a million things to talk about, you know, we're going to try, I try to have a, a team-based person on each podcast here, you know, next time we'll jump into some of the, hopefully we're going to have an Illinois person on here. Um, so I, I don't want to get too much into, you know, some of the teams we're going to have on our, our next couple of podcasts, but, <clears throat> you know, everybody, everybody always wants to know, you know, kind of, how do you see the Big Ten shaping out, so on and so forth? Um, right now, um, my personal Big Ten evaluation is I think you have four teams that are a step above everyone. Um, it shocks me to say, but, uh, you know, based on what I said in the preseason, but I think you have Indiana, Purdue, Michigan, and Wisconsin. I think those, that's your top four group right now. Again, these could change, you know, especially with a team like Maryland and or Michigan State, who they're so young that they can get better. But I would say those four teams right now are your top contenders. You know, right now, you put a gun to my head. I'm saying Indiana wins the Big Ten. I'm picking uh, Michigan second, Purdue third, Wisconsin fourth. Um, <clears throat> Purdue has a lot of the, the same issues they had last year, you know, three-point shooting turnovers and in, an inconsistent backcourt. So I, I'm not – quite as sold on them as Michigan at this moment. You know, we'll see kind of how that goes, you know, over the next week and a half or so. But um, that's what I would say at the moment. I'd say behind those, I think you have two teams um, at fifth and sixth, and that's Michigan State and Maryland. I think those teams are, are pretty close overall. Um, you know, and again, both are super young. They're going to be up and down. And I think both are going to get better over the year. So maybe they can move up towards that that top couple of teams um, behind those. I think you have a three team group of Iowa, Northwestern and Ohio state. So this would be um, seventh, eighth and ninth in the big 10. I think those are your bubble teams. I think those are the teams that are going to be buying for the NCAA tournament or the NIT, depending how uh, things shake out. Um, and then I, I think 
right behind that in their own group is Minnesota. Um, and I, I just, you know, I gotta be honest. I just, I want to buy into Minnesota. You know, they're five and zero. They they picked up some big time wins. And frankly, I think, you know, they have a huge green arrow right next to them. But I think I'm gonna put them just a notch behind Northwestern Iowa and Ohio State at the moment. Um, but I I really, uh, <laughs> you know, I I think Minnesota might actually end up above those three. Um, but I, I do want to wait just a little bit longer. You know, I want to see a little more from, from all four of those teams before I, I move too much there. But I, I do like Minnesota, and I, I think I had them pretty high on my power rankings this week. Um, <clears throat> behind them, I think that's where you start. You get your, you know, bottom teams here, you know, Illinois, um, Nebraska, and then behind them, Penn State and Rutgers. Not totally sure how those teams are going to finish. Of course, you know, we'll have to see as, as they have faced better competition, you know, particularly Rutgers, you know, they're 4-0, but really haven't played anyone. So I, I think I think you have an interesting Big Ten group. I think you have some teams that are really moving around. You know, you have Michigan rising. You have Minnesota rising big time. Uh, you have Rutgers even to an extent rising a lot. Um, and I, I, I'd say spinning off of that is that, I think this is a very, very deep conference this year. Um, you know, the Big Ten, a lot of people were critical on it um, after a down last season. I, I think the Big Ten does have some weaknesses, certainly. But I think um, they've took, take, taken care of the games they needed to take care of. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, for instance, I, I remember talking last week about Rutgers going to DePaul, and that's not a game that got any national interest, you know, outside of maybe the butt of some jokes. But that was actually an extremely important game for the Big Ten. And the reason why is because if Rutgers wins that game, that ensures that they're not going to be in the absolute seller of the RPI of the Ken Palm ratings. And the reason that's important is because now – when teams play Rutgers, it isn't nearly the RPI hit that it was last year. I mean, even if you beat Rutgers last year, it generally would actually hurt you playing them because their RPI was so terrible. Um, but this year, it's going to be a couple notches above. And who knows? You know, maybe this momentum continues and, and Rutgers can take down uh, some of these respectable, you know, maybe they can take down a Stony Brook on the road. Maybe they can take down Fordham. You know, we'll have to see how that shakes out, but I think they're going to have enough RPI this year to where it's not going to kill you if you play them. And it's going to do damage if you lose to them, but it's not going to absolutely destroy you like it did um, the last couple of years. So I, I think that that was a key game. You know, you have Nebraska scoring a couple key wins. You know, we'll see what Penn State can do um, in Illinois. Both, neither of them have any quality wins yet, but uh, and I thought should throw out as well, Iowa, I think they will score some quality wins, but um, they don't have one yet. So, you know, we'll see how, how this kind of shakes out, but I think you have a very deep big 10. I think you have easily half the conference in NCAA tournament contention. And I think you have, uh, you know, if, if you buy into the rankings, which, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, um, there were six big 10 teams ranked this week in, in the, uh, the coaches poll and there were two more receiving um, votes. So you know, you're talking about a huge portion of the conference getting serious 
top 25 consideration. You know, one of those teams receiving a top 25 joke or vote was clearly a joke, and that was Rutgers getting a vote. But, but still, I mean, seven teams is half the conference um, getting some sort of serious votes for the, the top 25 poll. So I think the Big Ten's in good shape. And, you know, if Michigan State and Maryland can kind of get back on track, I think it could be set for an outstanding year. But with that, um, I'm, I'm going to call it a, a night here on the, on the old podcast. Uh, get back to watching some of the, this Big Ten action. But, um, but thanks again for everyone checking us out. You can check me out on Twitter, at TBendit. I highly, highly recommend checking out btpowerhouse.com right now. We have a ton of great content coming up there right now. I should say hashtag content. But um, <laughs> we have a, a lot of great content up on the site right now. Um, on everyone, you know, the new power rankings came out today. Um, Game of the week uh, came out today. So definitely check that out. And thanks for tuning in, and, and we'll see everyone next time.